Sunday of the month, on our on Sundays, on months that have fifth, five Sundays, our our elementary kids come in to worship with us, and so it's good to have ele- our elementary kids in here this morning, and I hope that they amen better than the adults today, because it's not going to be a good day. It's going to be a what? That's right. That's right. It's going to be a great day. We are journeying through the Gospel of Luke. Um, we are at week 61 of our journey through the Gospel of Luke, and um, I'm excited to get into the Word with you guys this morning. We are we are approaching the the very last of uh, chapters and verses of Luke, and um, we are at, in the point of the story of the Gospel of Jesus where it is it is uh, Friday. It is Good Friday. It is the uh, the day that he will be crucified. And so it's been five days in our in our reading through the gospel. It's been five days since Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. He was hailed as the king of, of Israel. He willingly, intentionally fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah showing that he was the promised king, not just of Israel, but the king of every nation and tribe and tongue that Jesus but before he was crucified Jesus was questioned by Jewish authorities these authorities these these Jewish authorities and leaders they were called the Sanhedrin and it was before the Sanhedrin that he claimed to be God and so the more that I study and read and, and dig in and enjoy studying these final hours of Jesus and this interrogation by both Rome and by the Jewish leaders, the more convinced I am, the confidence in who he was and why he came. I know a couple Sundays ago was Easter, and so you might be surprised that we are still talking about crucifixion and resurrection. That's, that's Jesus. That's the story of the gospel. We can talk about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus every week, and we would not be we would not exhaust the depth and the beauty and the love of God that we would find there. And we do talk about the crucifixion and the resurrection every week as we come to the table for communion every week. But this morning, I want us to dig in for a few minutes and see that Jesus in this passage before the Sanhedrin and before the Roman authorities and leaders, that Jesus is going to boldly declare himself to be both God and king. Jesus is a challenge to both empires. Jesus is a challenge to every rule. Jesus is a challenge to everything that would exalt itself up against the rule and the authority of God in Christ Jesus. Now Jesus has full recognition that no matter what the outcome is of these questionings, they don't have any authority over him. Jesus is in complete control the whole time. Jesus has all authority. Scripture tells authority in heaven and on earth is Jesus's. Even though Jesus is going to be the one in chains and the one carrying a cross, Jesus is still the one in control. Look with me in Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 63. It says, the men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding Jesus, they kept asking, prophesy, who was it that hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things to him. 
And when daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, convened and brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, if you're the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, if I do tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the, of the power of God. And they all asked him, are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, you say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth. So that's, that's Luke's, and we're journeying through Luke's gospel. But Matthew, he gives a little bit more detail into this illegal interrogation of Jesus at night. So if you want to turn with me or you'll see it on the screen, Matthew chapter 26, we're going to start at verse 57. It says this, those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Now, the reason that, that Matthew goes into a little bit more detail here and talking about Caiaphas and the high priest and these details is because Matthew's intended audience, when he wrote his gospel, when he wrote his book, it was intended for Jewish to, for Jews to hear and to believe Jesus. So Matthew adds some details into the into the understanding of the law and of the Jewish context that would that would frame that out for his readers. So verse fifty eight, Peter was following him at a distance right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. And the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they could not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two who came forward stated, this man said, I could destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, see, he is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? See now, you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others slapped him. Why did they do this? Because Jesus claimed to be God. They said it's blasphemy. Jesus is both God and king. Jesus is both God and king. So Jesus, he, he uses this phrase, son of man. When he uses this phrase, Son of Man, Jesus is referencing a prophecy from Daniel chapter 7, who, who calls the one who is, like the, who is the Son of Man, and he says that this Son of Man is like the Ancient of Days. And this Ancient of Days is this one who has an eternal kingdom, whose kingdom will never pass away. A kingdom from all nations and all peoples on earth. And so when Jesus claims this title for himself, Jesus is claiming to be the messianic king right in the face of the high priest. But he goes even further. He says, from now on, you will see the son of man at the right hand of power. And, and, and that, that word power is with a capital P. It's, it's talking about God and coming on the clouds of heaven. This phrasing, riding on the clouds of heaven, in Scripture, it always equates to one who has divine power. 
So he says, the one riding on the clouds will be seated next to God. Jesus is elevating himself to God. He is saying, I will be seated next to God. I will ride on the clouds. I am the son of man. I'm like the ancient of days. I'm the eternal king. I am the eternal God. And when the high priest heard this, he tore his clothes and he cried out, blasphemy. Don't ever say and don't ever listen to someone who says Jesus never declared himself to be God. Jesus died because he declared himself to be God. Jesus was right there in that moment, moment, saying, I'm the king, and I am God. And from now on, you will see me, and you will know who I am. I am the son of man. I am the king. I am This, of course, infuriated the Sanhedrin, right? It, 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 their law said that, that, that blasphemy was worthy of death. And since Israel was under Roman occupation and Roman control, they had to submit to the Roman authorities in order for Jesus to be crucified. So they had to appeal to Roman law. So, so Jesus was taken to Pilate, and Pilate had the authority to put him to death. And so Pilate questioned Jesus. At the insistence of the Jewish leaders who wanted Jesus killed for claiming to be God. So you've got your Bible open, Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 1. Then the whole assembly rose up before, brought, rose up and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is the Messiah or a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. Pilate then told the chief priests and the crowds, I find no grounds for charging this man. But they kept insisting. He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, where he started even to here. And we see even more details of this, of this interaction in John chapter 18. Starting in verse 33, it says, Then Pilate went back into his headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I, Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. And I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asks one of the most profound questions, one of the most, one of the most interesting questions, and a question that still reverberates and resonates with us today. He asks Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? 
after he said this, he went out again and told the Jews, I have no grounds for charging him. Again, Jesus, without regard for human authority, tells Pilate, I'm the king. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows why he came. Jesus is the king. Jesus is God. Jesus believes this. Jesus is willing to die for this. Jesus will die for this. But Pilate asks this very interesting question, what is truth? What is truth? Jesus, we know in the gospels, he declares himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except they come through me, except by me. I'm the way people can know God. But still, this question of truth, this question of truth, what is truth? What is truth? We live in an age where truth is relativized, where truth is questioned and where truth becomes individualistic. We hear this phrase, my truth. We hear this phrase, my truth, more and more as if there isn't a standard of truth. There is a standard to submit to you this morning, there is a standard of truth. How many of you know that if I were to drop this bottle of water, it would float in midair? Would it do that? No, what would it do? It would hit the ground. Why? Because gravity, what gravity is a universal truth. Gravity is a truth. It's a scientific truth established by God. Why do you think gravity is consistent here? Because God decided that it should be consistent. There are scientific truths. There are moral truths. And there are spiritual truths. Gravity is a truth. The laws of physics are truths. rotation of the earth is a truth. Shocker here, but the earth is round. That's a truth. Biology is a truth. Anatomy is a truth. That sin destroys everything it touches is a truth. Truth is a reality that goes beyond personal feelings or personal preferences. Truth is a standard. And we have to align ourselves with the standard of the truth. We have to choose the truth. Pilate asked, what is truth? Jesus came so that we could know the truth and that the truth would set us free. The truth doesn't have to be some abstract, misunderstood concept. We can know the truth. And we can know the truth, first of all, by knowing Jesus. We have to choose to follow the truth. These Jews 
were given a choice that day as well. In Luke chapter 23, verse 13, Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people and said to them, you have brought me this man as one who misleads the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I have found no grounds to charge this man with those things you accuse him of. Neither has Herod because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I'll have him whipped and then I'll release him. Then they all cried out together, take this man away and release to us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had been thrown in the prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city. Oh, and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate asked, addressed them again. Who do you want? But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify Jesus. And a third time he said to them, why, what has this man done wrong? I found no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. But they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. Their voices, their voices won out. Their voices of lying and deception and anger won out over the truth of who Jesus was and the innocence of Jesus. Don't let the voices be louder than the truth. Don't allow the voices of the enemy, the lies of our culture, and the screams of society convince you that there is not truth or that Jesus isn't the truth. Jesus is the truth. voices will always scream. The voices will always be loud. The voices of the liar will always scream louder because the voices of the enemy know that if you can just get the truth, your life will be transformed by the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the truth and the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. They kept up their pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and release the one they were asking for, was Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. Jesus or Barabbas? Jesus or Barabbas? Will we choose Jesus or will we choose Barabbas? Will we choose the Savior or will we choose the murderer? Will we choose the deliverer or will we choose the destroyer? Will we choose the truth or will we choose the lie? Jesus or Barabbas? Truth or lie? Deliverer or destroyer? The truth is this, Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy, he fulfilled every type and shadow in the Old Testament. Jesus taught scripture, Jesus worked miracles, Jesus healed the sick, Jesus walked on water, Jesus raised the dead, Jesus cast out demons, Jesus forgave sinners, Jesus challenged religious leaders, Jesus challenged the political and societal norms, Jesus was a Jew who associated with the outcasts, the ritual unclean, the prostitutes, the tax collectors 
collectors, the drunkards. Jesus was praised as a king. Jesus declared himself to be the promised Messiah. Jesus was arrested for claiming to be God. Jesus was flogged and beat and scourged. Jesus was nailed to a tree. Jesus was killed. But on the third day, Jesus was raised to life again. This is the truth. History bears witness to the truth. Jesus is the only way to fully know God. That is the truth. And on this Friday, that truth appeared to be in a society and a moment in history where truth appears to be dead. But Jesus is not finished. The work of Jesus is not finished. Because Friday was not the end. Because on three days later, on that Sunday morning, was in the tomb, he would soon raise. Because now it's Sunday. It's been three days since the darkest day in history. Since the ones who held Jesus as the king now rejected him as the blasphemer. Three days since he was arrested, tried, flogged, beaten, and crucified. It's been three days. Paul tells us that on the third day, Jesus was raised from still going to read. We're just journeying through Luke chapter 24, and I want us to focus this morning on, on this whole understanding of, of truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth that is greater than any voice. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, starting at verse 1, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified (laughs) and, and, and bowed down to the ground. Sorry, I had a joke in my mind that when I read this that I'm just not going to share. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Believe the women. Believe the women, church. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. 
So he went away, amazed at what had happened. It says they remembered his words. There was a reminder here from the angels. And there was a reminder of what Jesus said would happen. And it had come true. Well, what were some of the things that Jesus said would happen? The angel reminds them, remember, Jesus said this would happen. So what did Jesus say? In Luke chapter 9, 22, Jesus said, It's necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. Jesus told them in Luke chapter 9, verse 44, Let these words sink in. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Jesus told them in Luke 18, starting verse 32, For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on. And after they flog him, they will kill him. And he will rise on the third day. The angel reminded these women and these people of this truth. That was it. It clicked. On the third day, he will rise. He will rise. He will be raised from the dead. Now, I can just imagine when, they, when the angel reminds them of this and they begin to, they begin to think, okay, this is what Jesus said. This is, this is what Jesus said was going to happen. This is what we had hoped that we could keep from happening to Jesus. But Jesus was determined that he was going to seek and save that which was lost. That Jesus was determined that he had come to lay his life down as a ransom for many. That was his mission. And so when they realize it and they remember that Jesus said that he would not stay in the ground, but he would be raised on the third day, I imagine the countenance on their faces begin to change. I imagine the despair in their hearts begins to melt away and the joy begins to overtake them. Hear that, church. Remind yourself. Remind yourself when joy, when, when joy begins to leave and sorrow and sadness and anguish and despair begins to take root, remind yourself. I can imagine at that, at that scene, hugs and tears and laughter and amazement. I imagine this scene where the women remember the truth of Jesus' words because sometimes we have to be reminded of the truth. Sometimes. Sometimes we have to be reminded what Jesus spoke. I want to just remind you again, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. What is truth? Unless you know the truth, you can't believe the truth. And on Resurrection Sunday, disciples, what they thought was the truth of his death, they would soon find out was a lie. they still, before they got to the tomb that morning, they still thought Friday was the end. You hear that? Before they got to the tomb that morning, they still thought Friday was the end. They still believed the lie that Friday was the end. Their truth, we talked about our truth, their truth, my truth, their truth was that he was still in the tomb, that he was still sealed behind the, 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 the stone, that they, he was still guarded by Roman soldiers. Their truth was that death had won the day. Their truth was that the king had been conquered. Their truth was that the Savior wasn't saved. Their truth was that the deliverer had been delivered to the grave. Their truth was that Jesus... 
truth is that Jesus, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life. Jesus said you can destroy this body, but in three days it will be raised to life. When our truth doesn't line up with the truth, we're believing lies and following lies, and we will be destroyed by those lies. Lies never set us free. But Jesus said that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're prone to believe our own truth. We believe what we choose to believe. We believe what we want to believe. We believe too often what the enemy tells us to believe. We often believe these lies that we're worthless or that we're of no use to God or we're no use to others or that our past defines us or our sin defines us or our our desires define us. that is all about personal identity and and we we try to define ourselves listen your your desires do not define you your sin does not define you you can choose to walk in the truth no matter what the lies scream can choose to walk in the truth no matter what the lies scream. We may believe that our choices can't be redeemed. Maybe we believe that our sin has caused God to stop loving us. Maybe we don't even believe God exists. Maybe we believe that we can live however we want to and, and not have consequences either in this life or in the age to come. Maybe we believe the lie that we get to decide what is right and what is wrong. When we believe our own truths, if they are, if and when they are contrary to the truth, we do that to the destruction of our own well-being. But we have to choose. Jesus or Barabbas. sin, that temptation, that trial, that struggle, it may be a reality in you, but it doesn't have to have the final power over you. You can still walk in the truth. So let me just encourage you this morning to remind yourself of the truth. Remind yourself of the truth. said would happen, happened. Everything God has promised was fulfilled in Jesus. And I'm here to remind you that because of that, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness for you in Jesus Christ. There is deliverance for you in Jesus Christ. There is freedom from the chains of bondage or addiction in Jesus Christ. I'm here to remind you that you are loved by God in Jesus Christ, that you were accepted by God in Jesus Christ, that there is no power in hell that can defeat what 
God has promised for you in Jesus Christ. I'm here to remind you that there is no lie that can stand under the weight of the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm here to remind you that there's nothing too big for Jesus this morning. I'm here to remind you that the tomb is empty and that Jesus cannot, will not, does not stay defeated. He is the resurrected God and King and there is nothing, there is no lie that can hold you down in the power of Jesus Christ. There is no stone that cannot be rolled away. There is no life that cannot be resurrected in Jesus. Jesus is alive and you too can truly live life to the full in Jesus. Let me remind you this morning, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I'm here to remind you that you are not truly living if you haven't been brought to life, if you haven't been raised to life through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is life for you. There is truth for you. No matter what the enemy screams in your ear, truth doesn't. so life-changing to the women that they couldn't be quiet about it. They, in Luke 24, verse 9 and 10, they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the 11 and to the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and all the women were telling the apostles these things. So these women run and tell the disciples the truth of the empty tomb. I want to encourage you, speak the truth of hope. Speak the truth of resurrection. Speak the truth of transformation. It seems so often in this culture that we live in, truth is spoken, but truth is, it, it, truth is often spoken in a way that is not loving. If you speak truth in a way that is unloving, the hearer doesn't hear the truth. tell the disciples about the empty tomb. They get excited. They run back to the house. But when they get there, they don't get the response they were hoping for because in chapter 11, these words seem like nonsense to the men and they did not believe the women. Some translations call it an idle tale, a lie. It seemed like nonsense. It seemed like a lie. Sometimes when we are so wrapped up in the in, in our sin or so wrapped up in, in the lies of the enemy that when we do hear the truth, it sounds like a lie to us. It doesn't sound believable to us. It doesn't sound like God could actually do that. It doesn't sound like God could still love me. It doesn't sound like I could be free. It doesn't sound like I could walk in the grace and the mercy of Jesus. It doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like the truth to us when we are so wrapped up in the lie. So let me encourage you, take a trip to the empty tomb. You don't have to 
have to sit there in your unbelief. You have an, another option. You don't have to sit there. You can get up and run to the tomb. Peter got up and ran, verse 12. When he stooped and looked in, he saw only linen cloths, so he went away amazed at what had happened. Run to the tomb, church. Run to the tomb. Look at the empty tomb. It is a reality. It is truth. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave, tell me what he cannot do in your life. Everything he said is true. Stoop in. Look around. Take your, take your time. Investigate. Jesus is alive. Let the risen Jesus change your perspective. Let the risen Christ become your reality. Let the truth, let the capital T truth become your truth. Jesus is alive. And I promise you, you will marvel like Peter when you allow your truth to be transformed by the truth. This morning, church, I just want to remind you. And I hope you'll respond like the woman at the tomb. I hope that the women at the tomb, I hope you'll respond like Peter did when he heard the news. I hope that you'll begin to run to the tomb, that you begin to look around, that you'll begin to investigate this Jesus. Because the empty tomb is God declaring Jesus king. And I'm here to remind you that God has raised Jesus to life, declared him to be God and king, and that light has broken through, the tomb was rolled away, Jesus is risen, the king is conquered, the savior resurrection, the deliverer delivered, Jesus is alive. Ephesians chapter one, I'm coming to a close. The band wants to come on back up here. It makes everybody else think that I'm just about done. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. This is why. Paul says to the church here in Ephesus. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. This is why I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what the hope, what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ, by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in heaven, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion in every title given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Jesus is alive. Jesus sits enthroned in the heavens. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And every other power and authority and 
bow our heads and close our eyes and be still and quiet for a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your word this morning. I pray right now, Lord, that there, that there are folks in this room who have been ensnared, entrapped in what may be their truth. The enemy has lied to them. The enemy has entrapped them and ensnared them. They think there's no hope for them. They think there's no way for them. They think that there is, they're just bound to this. Maybe it's Maybe it's a, a desire or a temptation. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's a sense of hopelessness and dread. screams of the enemy. I pray, God, that you would silence the enemy for this moment and let the voice of truth bring peace, conviction, receive the elements of communion. If you're battling against these voices, these screams of the enemy, these lies that, that want to bind you and destroy you, if this morning you've heard the voice of truth and you want to choose to walk you to stay here after you receive the elements of communion so we can pray with you. There has been great rejoicing for everyone who walks in the truth. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the lies of the enemy may be, this morning, if you want to say, I'm choosing to, to believe and to walk and to live in the capital T truth of Jesus. Pastor, pray for you. Stay here and we're going to pray for you. So God, right now, again, I thank you for your word in this house today. And I thank you, God, that you have brought us into this house, not by accident, but Lord, you have brought us here with intention. You have brought us here today so that we can hear the truth and be set free. Not one person in this room today is an accident. 
one person in this room today is an accident. Not one person in this room today is not unloved by you. Not one person in this room today is forgotten or overlooked by you, Jesus. And you're inviting us desire prayer for anything, the enemy has been lying, been screaming, and you have been listening and entertaining these lies, but you no longer want to do that. You want to walk in the truth and be set free. I just invite you to stay here. We're going to pray with you and lift you up. Would you come slip out your right side, receive the elements of communion, and then if you desire to stay here, stay, and if not, you may be receive communion together this morning. Sing this chorus as you come.